Welcome back to the In The Know On The Go podcast. We've got our quarterly real estate update with Cole Medway, Senior Director with LAWD. Cole, welcome back. It's good to have you back in the seat. Yeah, no, thanks, Ollie. Great to catch up again. Now, the rural real estate market, last time we caught up, it was October. Um, I reckon you might have said the words that you'd never been busier again. How did the end of 2023, and did you manage to have a little bit of downtime over Christmas? I don't know how to break over Christmas. You've got to do that. Um, yeah, but the the end of the year really a, a fizzle would be probably the word that I'd use, Ollie. Um, it just ground to a halt. Um, confidence evaporated out of the market, um, largely driven off the back of um, you know people's reaction to the bomb forecast. Everyone's blaming the bomb, but you could probably say, well, there's there's one thing, there's the forecast, and then there's the reaction. Um, the reaction um, saw a flood of livestock hit the market. Um, there wasn't enough hooks to hang them all up. And um, when there's more hooks, uh, sorry, when there's more livestock than hooks each week, um, the price goes down. So unfortunately, that was the um, what occurred. But um, thankfully, um, I did go on the record and say that I thought this would be very short-lived and that people would look back and think they've just missed a fantastic opportunity. And... Um, I hate to say I told you so, but um, that, was, that was the case. But and, and look, when you look at it, you know, common sense would see that that was likely to be the case. Like high prices never last forever, nor do high prices. Um, the livestock markets were, you know, out of balance and um, and that was never going to last forever. But yeah, it's pretty hard when you're right in the middle of it. I get that. And, um, and also pretty hard when, um, you know, the, the, the forecast is, um, you know, in some ways, predicting Armageddon. So um, it's not, uh, you know, it's it it's a it was a you know probably you could say it was a, a common sense reaction, but um, you know it just got all out of balance, which was um, uh, difficult to ride through at the times personally, because you know um, I probably um, you know, quit some store lambs that I'd love to have back now. And like, what was the flow on effect into the the property market there as well? Like, what were you guys kind of seeing, and, and what were the conversations that you were having? I think it's in one word, Ollie, confidence. Um, it just it just pricked the balloon. Uh, there was no confidence. People just uh, didn't want to do anything. Um, there was, yeah, there was a few bottom dwellers out there throwing offers out at low levels, just, you know, trying to see if anyone was distressed. Um, certainly we were, um, you know, blocking those ones up um, for our clients and um, just told them to hold the line. Um, we just didn't think this was a short-term situation that would flow through and um, and the market would return back to normality. Um, although not at the high peaks of, say, spring 2022, I think as we discussed last time, most of my vendors are very pragmatic about where they will transact. Um, they understand that the, the top of the market um, is... Uh, yeah, it's very difficult to pick the top or the bottom of a market. You generally only know when it's occurred is in the rear vision mirror because at the time, you don't know. So, you know... Um, I think that we're starting to see uh, some green shoots in inquiry from, from buyers. Um, people are starting to start thinking more strategically, long-term, and um, and that's great to see. And, and you know, we've got some great assets coming into the market uh, very early in, in 2024 that um, is sparking that interest. And Cole, I know we've, and it's the beauty of being able to lean on your expertise and knowledge within the sector. You've picked it, I think, a couple of times with what's actually happening. So if we're looking at the year ahead, What's, what's the sentiment? What are you feeling towards this year? And what would be some of those trends and predictions that you're going to expect to see? 
I think consolidation, Ollie. Um, I don't think. I think the down, the the downside risk on land values is probably gone. Um, if we'd have rolled into a drought, um, then that may have put further pressure on uh, on people, uh, particularly. But I think that um, you know we've got pretty remarkable seasonal conditions across much of the east coast. Um, you know, WA is having probably more of a traditional season for them. Uh, you know, hot and dry over summer. But yeah, that's that's not abnormal. Uh, so I think the downside risk is is probably evaporated. Um, I think that also it appears who's can pick interest rates, but uh, I don't think the next move of interest rates is up. Um, they may stay where they are for a while, or you know a lot of the experts are sort of predicting that the next move may be down. So again, I think that's another reason why I think the downside risk in land values is um, it's just not there. Apart from the fact that everyone who wanted to buy a farm and steal it last spring was trying to tell me that um, that was going to happen, so I, you know, I didn't subscribe to that view. And is there any regions like commodity types or, or land use changes that you think are, are happening in the market, or is it just pretty consistent at the moment and people are kind of sticking to their guns? Um, yeah, no. Look, there's you know there's assets in the market in all sectors all the time. And, you know, everyone, you know, I think looks too deep into shallow water trying to find out if there's any great trends and all the rest of it. When you look across, you know, the clients that are, um, are taking their assets to market, they're doing it for all sorts of different reasons, time, family, succession, um, you know, um, they're tired. They just want to, you know, it's time to move on. They've done the development of the asset. Now it's time to crystallise that, uh, that value. There's lots of different reasons why people take assets to market. I think though the sector that um, that I'm watching and we're, we're seeing some uh, some movement in and we're getting inquiry on is the dairy sector. Um, probably not talked about widely, Ollie, but you know it's um, it's in a really profitable um, uh, time at the moment. Um, we've got a lot of the milk milk uh, processors scrambling for supply. Um, that's underpinning um, um, you know, milk milk prices, which is great to see. And um, and the world milk market is is lifting too, which is sort of you know we were an outlier in regard to value um, compared to the world markets. You know, it's starting to lift a little bit, so that all goes well to probably underpinning uh, the industry in Australia. Um, so you know, there's there's bit, there's a bit of activity in that that area due to profitability, um, due to uh, you know assets coming to market that we can um, that are you know, finding. Uh, that are finding acceptance in the market too. So I think it's quite a positive area that I think there might be a bit more of that through this year in the dairy industry. Yeah, interesting. We'll watch that one. Hi, I'm Pia, horticulture and sugar analyst at Rabobank, and I'm here to share our latest insights on Australia's vegetable market. Did you know in 2023, Australia produced over $5.8 billion worth of vegetables, though only 4.3% of this was exported? Like many other countries, the Australian vegetable industry relies mostly on its domestic market. In fact, only 7% of global vegetables produced are traded between countries. But we are starting to see that trend change. Global trade is growing at a faster rate than production, and countries with low-cost production are seeing the highest growth rates. You can learn more about trends in the vegetable market on our latest Rabo Research Australia podcast, Mapping World Vegetable Trade or reach out to me via the Rabobank Australia social media channels to learn more. 
The other one, and it's only just coming to me as we're chatting, the like the last few weeks, there's, I guess, more and more conversations with government and whatnot around renewables and that. I know last year, I think it was on, I think it was last year, on the Northern Tablelands, you guys ended up um, transacting a deal there, which went to one of the energy companies. Is is renewables coming into the forefront a little bit more or not so much? Yeah, there is. It's certainly that. Like uh, you've got all these developers just following power lines to see if they can find suitable land for for you know solar or, or wind development. Obviously, the existing infrastructure or the existence of existing infrastructure adjacent to a property can make it appealing um, mm-hmm. to a renewable energy developer. Um, obviously, there's issues such as the capacity on the line and whether there's any you know, that can be accommodated, additional uh, infrastructure being accommodated. So, um, and then of course you've got all these people, they're trying to run around and they're, they're trying to get options over land and things like that and pay a minimal fee for that. And um, and then they flick it on, you know, it's just a, it's just a speculative play. I just advise to landholders, get some really good advice. If you get approached by someone, that's not to say it's not an opportunity, don't get me wrong, uh, but just get good advice, you know, um, deal with a solicitor that's, uh, he may not be your local guy. You might have to go and find someone uh, who has expertise in this area uh, because um, you just want to make sure if there is an opportunity that you thoroughly investigate it. And uh, if you crystallise it, make sure you get the best possible deal. Totally. While we're on that, um, carbon still front and centre in conversations or is it mm. maybe Yeah, very much so. It's not going to go away. Okay. Um, it's... Um, we are just starting to see, uh, it's very early days, just a few uh, assets come to market with uh, projects that have commenced. Um, I must say it's been a fairly lukewarm response in the market, particularly for some of those assets. Um, I think what buyers are looking for is if someone's just you know started a project, done their initial baseline, and then they haven't even done their first round of recording, um, I don't think the market's going to see any value in that. Um, I think you're going to have to produce evidence that the project is uh, producing accus, accumulating accus, and um, and that it is the project's real and has is sound. Um, I think if you think you're going to go and get a project on your land, it's going to be an upswing in value. Um, we're not seeing that happen. We need to see the tangible pieces with it. <laughs> it's, exactly. got it's got to produce. It's got to produce. Not just a talk show. Have, have you guys got any feature listings, upcoming sales, or, or kind of properties and, and things that you guys, I guess, are yeah, seeing as a real feature at the moment? Yeah, we have. Look, you know, it's wide and varied, um, Ollie. Um, Richmond Grove is is an asset that I think is really interesting. Um, it's at 1,056 hectares in the lower 100 at Sandy Hollow. It's a, an equine uh, facility, high-class uh, infrastructure on that one. But... but what strikes me with this one is this 3,400 megalitres of largely underutilised water entitlements uh, for this property uh, and a lot of land that's suitable for further development. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see uh, how different people view this property um, and um, and what they might decide you know, its value might be based on its attributes, particularly that underutilised water. Um, and probably one of the you know probably flagship listings we've got in the market at the moment is the Commons portfolio uh, at Darlington Point. Um, you know, twenty eight hundred hectares there, um, really high quality laid out um, irrigation, flood irrigation cotton cotton farm there with 
and draw and um, grain producing farm. Um, it's you know underpinned by fourteen thousand megalitres of uh, Murrumbidgee River and groundwater entitlements. Um, just a colossal asset, a real powerhouse um, type of property there. Um, you know fourteen hundred forty four thousand two hundred um, tons of storage. Um, it's um, owned by Tim and Roger Cummins. Um, you know, we expect the market to see value at 90 million plus for that. It's a really, it's a cracker. It's one of the best. Wow. Well, might have to uh, include that link in the show notes. And Carl, I know we've done a little bit of looking forward. One thing we haven't done a whole lot is actually looking back. Um, it's four years of LAWD now for you guys. 2020, you kicked off and, and it's rolled around pretty quickly. It must have come by in a blink of an eye where it just went from a few of you to now a team of, what have you got? 60, 70? 80 plus? Uh, 90. 90? God, how's it been? Well, a bit of a whirlwind, um, but um, pretty humbling, Ollie, to be frank, um, and that's due to the people. Uh, it's pretty humbling to have people in the early days who um, probably backed us and and took a punt to join us. Um they didn't have to. They were all very, very successful in their own right um, and probably reasonably comfortable where they were. But um, for them to you know, have the faith uh, to join us and go with us, um, I think that's very humbling and, and we're forever grateful and um, we're building a platform that hopefully they can um, you know, go on with their careers and, and be everything they want for them. And, and I think now with 90-odd people in the team, um, probably the greatest accomplishment I think is the culture and collaboration within that team um, you know we've got a high performance culture they're highly motivated keeps me motivated which is great um, and um, you know they work hard they work really hard and they get dedicated to delivering results for their clients so you know that's the best thing about it this game is is the people you work with and the people you work for absolutely not and I think it's um it's definitely pretty obvious from the outside looking in just what you guys have built it's um it's something pretty special and i think exciting to see what's ahead in the next four or five years for you as well so cole as always thank you very much for coming on and having a chat enjoy your friday morning and have a bit of downtime over the weekend <laughs> well. no dramas great to catch up again good on you